1: Here we go.
2: Jackson for his tight end, brought in by Mark Andrews, who escapes and goes all the way for the touchdown. Intercepted, picked up by Thomas. Earl Thomas with a foot race. Brown won't get him. That will be six. Running a little
3: options. Jackson keeps. Jackson breaks the tackle. He's right to the pylon, and it's a Touchdown.
4: Hello and welcome to Pod Like a Raven I am Antonio Barbera I'm joined in the studio by Tim Horsey I'm joined on the, I should say we're joined on the West Coast By Jace Evans Post-Steelers week The Ravens come out with a victory 23-20 in overtime Was it a victory? Yes Was it pretty? No We have three guys here to talk about it I'll ask Tim, Tim first, how you feeling?
2: I've never been more disappointed beating the Pittsburgh Steelers. I can usually find some sort of satisfaction. And at the end, like a lot of these games, it's, it's relief. You know, every sort of Raven Steelers game, they're not fun to watch. I, I was joking with people. It's like, this isn't a fun game. This is, this is a stressful game for three hours. But this one was just infuriating. And by the end of it, I was glad it was over. And more importantly, I was glad it was over with a W. But still, man, ugh, one of, one of the... Uh, we'll just say it at the top. One of the worst performances I've ever seen the Ravens have in a win, especially um, in recent memory.
4: Chase, how you doing over there?
3: Yeah, it's I feel the same way as Tim. It was stressful. Definitely hurt my heart deeply. Um, definitely felt a little better, uh, you know, once the game was over, because a Ravens win is a lot better than watching that game and the alternative being a loss. Although I was almost certain for a while there we were heading for a tie uh, to really just um, ruin everything for everyone. Uh, but, um, yeah, it was definitely a game. and We have no shortage of things to talk about. I mean, I know this is a
2: Ravens <laughs> podcast and I'm not going to sit here and, you know, we're, we're clearly leaning one way and I'm not going to try and crap on Steelers fans or anything like that. Or maybe a little bit. How do you feel losing that game? Like, I know you had the third-string quarterback, and, and we're going to get into uh, some of the other extraneous variables that made that game even more particularly worse. But how do you, how, would, how would you have felt initially, before we talk about the realism, I want to go into the hypothetical a little bit. How would you have felt we would have come out of that as losers? Because it was a very real, real possibility,
4: especially in overtime. I, I sent a text to our thread that was, if the Ravens lose to Devlin Duck, Duck Hodges, Hodges that I may have to quit my Ravens fanhood. So that's that's how uh, bad a loss would have been. Well, I'm glad they won because you were a fantastic host. In Thank, it, you. You. Thank yeah, you.
3: Yeah, I think it would easily find its way into the top bottom ten, I guess, Ravens losses ever. Uh, it would have been um, pretty horrendous all the way around because, as Tim, you said, this is probably one of their ten worst wins of all time. <laughs> so, um,
4: and I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the why. Would be a true. big part of this. I mean, they're they're ugly games, and that is going to happen in every season. The Ravens have had multiple games that they've won and lost <laughs> that have been just ugly games. But the start of this game was one that the Ravens. It was it was everything was going to plan. They looked like the better team. They were executing. They were containing the Steelers' offense. So you're telling me every Raven Steelers no. game. <laughs> We had this ten nothing lead. I was feeling so comfortable. It's feeling very comfortable about my uh, my my pick that we made at the mm, end of last sure. week. Oh, three and a half, four points would a joke. This is going to be a, just the easy coast. And it was different from other games, Tim, because it wasn't Ben Roethlisberger, and he wasn't going to come out of the woodwork. Um, you know, come out, come back with the broken nose and start throwing touchdown passes all over the field, kind of stuff. This was Mason Rudolph, so we were going to be okay. And that's the big part of it that really. Just made this game so frustrating. Is that then all the little mistakes start to happen, and this game became a game. So let's let's get into the specifics here. We're gonna do our good, <laughs> our good, good, bad, and ugly. Let's start with the good so that we can get past that very quickly and move on to the bad and the ugly. What did we like from this Ravens overtime victory? Uh, I'll start. Justin Tucker is the
2: best. He's better than any Steelers kickers ever had at Hines Field. I. I, I thought the inevitable was going to, or the I should say, not inevitable. The crazy was going to happen when that kick went up and it hooked left,
3: oh, and I it was really like, looked like it was going to miss. I was <laughs> like, "Are you
2: kidding me? No, are you kidding me? This is the one constant we have on this team." <laughs> and ended up he ended up nailing it. I never, I should have never lost faith in our boy Justin Tucker, Hookem Horns, and what is he? 24 of 25 at Heinz Field
3: 24 of 25 at Heinz Field, and I saw the first kick, I believe this was in Jeff uh, Zarebik's piece, first only kick he's missed was his rookie year at Heinz Field. So basically the first game he played there.
2: And you listen to the post-game press conference, and he actually comes out and says, for you reporters who know we have three practice fields, what you don't know is we have a fourth field that we just leave in the worst condition possible to replicate Heinz Field. And I think that's his secret to success. And thank the Lord they have that because, uh, you know, I think the one of the biggest positives outside of a couple more obvious things that we'll get into, having a kicker, especially in today's NFL. I was listening to some other things today of they made a point of as soon as that extra point got moved back, it seems like half the kickers in the league just... Instantly got worse because they didn't have the little chip shots. They didn't have the layups and it just ruined their psyche. Having a guy who is, you know, one of the most accurate kickers, if not the most accurate kicker of all time. In my opinion, a Hall of Famer, definitely a Ravens Ring of Honor member is so comforting, especially in those tense situations.
3: Yeah, I mean, he hit two from 45 plus to force overtime. Uh, With 10 seconds to go the first one and then to win the game and that's 45 plus yards at hides field obviously like you said the second one wasn't quite a walk in the park but he still got it done got it in there in the uprights he's the best
4: (laughs) so i don't want to jump ahead to the negatives the only thing i do want to say that's negative because it's not so much about the ravens uh we once again were blessed with uh dan fouts and ian eagle (laughs) on the call and Don't. of course they said that I can't remember which one of them it was. I bet I bet I know matter. who. I bet I know who. <laughs> who was uh, as uh, Justin Tucker was like lining up for one of those kicks. He called him, I you know, maybe one of the best kickers in the NFL. Oh, it was Ian Eagle because Stop. yeah. I was screaming expletives
2: at my television like why are you doing this to me right now? He's
4: the best right now. He's the best ever as of now. He has the <laughs> highest complete like But uh, Who knows after this kick, yeah, gosh. So yeah. <laughs> he is the best and we, you know, we led the, the, the season with the episode about who was the most who who was the best player on the team, maybe Justin Tucker. I mean, um, but this is certainly the game where he hadn't had too many big kicks yet uh, through these first few weeks, uh, and he had his opportunity, and he took advantage of it twice with yeah. two kicks that I thought both of them were going to miss, Absolutely. and yet both of them hugged their respective <laughs> uprights and were the difference in the game. What else did we like? I love the kickoff coverage, too. Sorry to hop in again, Jace. Uh,
2: Three kickoff returns for the Pittsburgh Steelers, averaging 14 yards per kickoff return. They were constantly inside the 20, even the 10. And Tomlin, in his post-game press conference, and for whatever reason, decided to not take the ball. Um, And at the time, I was flabbergasted based on the new rules. I was texting both of you and said, I didn't miss anything, right? Like a touchdown wins this game and he's deferring. He, he wants the wind. And I know Heinz Field has the the one open end, even though Tucker was nailing him from sixty-five in pregame on that end. And I I instantly thought that it was honestly I didn't know what it what he was thinking. But then in his postgame <laughs> press conference he says, Our kickoff return our kickoff returns were so bad that I didn't want to get pinned deep. The Ravens to get a stop, LOL, we'll get to that in a minute. And have and have to punt and the Ravens already be at like the 50. They need, you know, 15 yards or whatever it is for to get in Jay Tuck's range. Which still doesn't make sense. It's it's an asinine decision to not take the ball in overtime. it's yeah,
3: completely I, confounding. The Ravens could have returned the opening kickoff and that would have been the game. Exactly. But it,
2: it's really cool to see that that special teams unit, John Harbaugh, obviously a special teams guy. That played so much of a factor That it it boggled Tomlin's mind And he went for that crazy decision
3: Yeah, um, and it arguably would have actually Somehow incredibly worked out for him If not for my only other remaining good part um, Which is Marlon Humphrey Who is undisputably the best defensive player On this team at this point uh, Just with an awesome uh, uh, channeling peanut Tillman With the peanut punch right on the... uh, on the ball there to knock it away from juju smith schuster um which i had kind of forgotten about until re-watching highlights and uh, reading some stuff that is more or less what he attempted to do early in the game absolutely when, uh, absolutely smith schuster just shrugged him off like a rag doll and scored a touchdown <laughs> um but uh yeah he forced the play and then somehow recovered the ball when no one else did on the ravens <laughs> so he did it all and the ravens gained a whole five yards and uh Tucker finished it, and that was that was why they won the game, pretty much. Um, so shout out Marlon Humphrey.
2: Yeah, Josh Bynes almost touched it out of bounds, which would have been a nightmare. But Marlon <laughs> Humphrey in the postgame said, he said, I went to the sidelines after Juju scored the touchdown, and Deshaun Elliott came over to me, who a guy who's going to play a huge part in this Ravens defense now, which we'll get to. Uh, he was like, man, don't do that again. And Marlon basically thought to himself, no, nah, I'm going to do it again. He's like, but with the caveat of this time, I'm going to make sure to wrap up. Because if you're going to pull the peanut punch, you got to make sure that if it doesn't go in, you at least have the other hand around the guy to bring him down, which he didn't do on the Juju touchdown. Um, I mean, Marlon Humphrey, for my money, is top three corner in the NFL right now. And it's it's highlighted even more by the, the lack of uh, efficiency from the other players on the defense, Uh, and he's been absolutely incredible. I do want to shout out a guy real quick before we move on. Uh, Maurice Kennedy, a guy that has been getting a lot more snaps than some of these other guys. Deshaun Elliott, a guy in preseason who everybody loved. Chuck Clark, another guy. Two guys who are, and we'll get to it soon I'm sure, are going to basically replace Tony Jefferson in the strong safety spot. A lot of these guys were were hyped up in preseason um, and haven't really seen the field a lot. Maurice Kennedy the last two weeks – has been decent. He led the Ravens in tackles with 7. I thought his coverage, from what you can see and like you know, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you that I broke down the all 22, but basically watching during the game, it seemed like he had pretty tight coverage throughout. He was close to a couple interceptions, balls that got overthrown. You could see he was right on that guy forcing a tough throw out of Mason Rudolph or Duck. I'm just going to call him Duck. Um <laughs> I, I so I thought he was another I wouldn't even say bright spot, like a notch down from bright. Like like a nice mood lighting compared to the rest of the Ravens defense. Uh but, but but a guy that I would like to shout out because I know that we are about to eviscerate that side of the ball.
4: Maurice Kennedy, the night light that we all need. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so before, so before we move on, just a couple of quick things. The Tomlin decision to give the ball up in overtime was I get you know I get it. He loves to pretend like he's Bill Belichick. I get it. But in a, in this game, he had just seen Justin Tucker nail a 48 yard field goal into that's in that same direction. So for me, the thought was like, you're not. Are you really trying to disprove something you just saw happen? I figured it out. I figured it out based on something Jace said before. He thought
2: that the Ravens' offense wasn't moving the ball. So if for some reason, Justice Hill, Cyrus Jones, whoever is taking that kickoff breaks down the sideline, I'm just going to run onto the field like I did against Jacoby Jones and make the tackle myself, and it'll be fine. They, you know, The refs were having an absolutely atrocious game up to that point, so I'm sure they wouldn't have called anything. Or if we did score a touchdown, I'm sure they would have found a holding because any big play, the ref needed to make sure his big fat face was on the television to, to show himself <laughs> to the world. So maybe there was a little bit of a uh, uh, reasoning within Mike Tomlin's
4: decision. So let's take it to the bad then, Tim. Okay, good. Let's do that. <laughs> a lot of things to discuss here: offensively, defensively. Oh boy! The zebras on the field, the announcers in the press box. A lot of things we didn't like. Who wants to uh, Who wants to go first with this?
3: Well, we almost <laughs> and lost to Devlin Hodges. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's a problem. I think. Um, Mason Rudolph, who wasn't having, you know, the greatest game in the world. He was doing all right. Uh, Terrifying uh, knockout on him um, by Earl Thomas. So in comes Devlin Hodges, Pride of Samford, and he was great. He went seven for nine. He had a 20-yard rush that set up the go-ahead field goal in the last three minutes. Um, The Ravens defense uh, still has issues to say the least. They managed only one sack against a second and a third string QB. Um, and yeah, arguably should have lost them the game based on their play. So that's a concern on this end. Yeah, they made a lot of,
2: there was a lot of talk about how, you know, Kenny Young cut, or not cut, excuse me, scratched for the game. Um, Anthony Averett scratched for the game. These guys who were on the field for significant, significant amounts of time In the previous weeks. Completely cut out of the plan. Josh Bynes. 35 of 51 defensive snaps for the Ravens. A guy who hasn't played since late last season. No preseason. No training camp. They are that desperate on the defensive end to add people. The Tony Jefferson injury is incredibly unfortunate. I know he's been getting a lot of stick. But he is still a defensive leader on this team. The guy who had the quote unquote the green dot. You know the guy who calls the defensive plays. That had to go to Owasso. Um. This unit is, and why don't we just bring this up now, I want to ask you guys, because we've been we've been going after the secondary a lot, and we've gone after the entire defense, but I think we've been highlighting the secondary. Which unit for you on this defense concerns you more? Is it the defensive front, who I haven't seen get any pressure? Tim Williams, a guy that was cut and then brought in by the Packers. Um... They're trying out a former second-round pick of the Raiders today. Uh, excuse me, I don't remember the name. Jeff Zarebek reported it uh, you, of The Athletic. You can find it on his Twitter feed. Uh, basically to make up the roster spot for Tony Jefferson because they're so desperate to get a pass rush. Or is it the defensive secondary that we've been constantly lambasting uh, during this podcast?
3: I'm a going to go with the, um, the defensive front, uh, the pass rush. It's just not there, and... Anytime it seemed like the Steelers had more than, you know, three like or like five, Mm -hmm. six seconds to pass, the Ravens had a hold every time. And I think you're it's certainly not a great secondary, but I think there is talent back there. We just have said Marlon Humphrey is probably the best player on the Ravens. Earl Thomas still seems like he has a little bit of juice and he would have had a pick if a certain play to Tony Jefferson hadn't happened, which we'll discuss, I'm sure, Um Uh, but these guys just are getting nothing they had the one sack but that's it they only have nine sacks this season I looked it up that's in five weeks that's just not enough the Eagles had 10 sacks yesterday in yesterday's game (laughs) against the Jets Ravens have nine all season they're just getting nothing and in the NFL you know these guys are so good if the if the pass rush just isn't getting there, a guy like Mason Rodolph, a guy like Devlin Hodges, they're good enough to make the NFL. And if they're not getting pressured, they can stand there and they can find a guy if he has time to get open.
2: Yeah, interestingly enough, and Anthony, I'll let you answer. I think it was you could see the opposite ends of this because it was basically a foil when their offense took the field. We were getting no pressure. Those guys could have sat back there and had a sandwich and then had time to throw the ball. <laughs> And Lamar is running for his life now. Some of that, I think, he might be regressing a little bit into first read not there, Mark Andrews not there. I'm taking off, and you saw some of that uh, yes, or uh, on Sunday, excuse me. But it 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 highlighted how bad that pass rush is, and, and I'm with you, Juice.
4: I I have to agree for now that it's the front seven. I am curious to see how the secondary fares now with two. Bonafide Three. starters Tavon Young slot corner right. That's a starter yeah. in this league at, Out of the secondary I mean the, the play that I kept seeing over and over again From the pass rush was uh, Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce Are both in on the same play It's a pass play Both of them get pressure up the middle At least a little bit They get a push sure. up the middle And then the uh, whoever the quarterback is In this case it was Rudolph for most of the game is sort of just way too easily able to roll out of pressure. And then there's just nothing there. There's nothing left. And the edge rusher on either side is either on the ground or doesn't find the quarterback or is sort of, you know, he's getting chewed up between the tackle and the guard. And once the quarterback does this slow rollout, he has all the time in the world to find receivers or to make runs. And that, is, that happened in the game on Sunday from both quarterbacks in different situations. I would even say, two even when they brought pressure, even when it wasn't just four-man rush, or even five-man
2: rush, they're bringing six, and nobody's getting through the line. You know, this isn't the Indianapolis Colts offensive line, which is, you know, yeah. or, the, or the Cowboys, like these guys who have bona fide all-pros at multiple positions across the offensive line. This is the one-in-four Steelers,
3: Yeah,
2: and you can't get any pressure. You, you're going to leave those guys back there out to dry. I don't care if you have six all-pros in the secondary. The, you are guys are gonna get open when there's five, six, seven seconds constantly, and 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 man, after just being able to see guys like and, and we we always look well. back at our Ravens fandom a little bit. Peter Bullware, Michael McCrary, if you want to go way back, obviously T Sizzle, who's still killing it in Arizona. After seeing that for years and years, and then having <laughs> Pernell McPhee be the one guy who makes a modicum of an impact. <laughs> It's just, it's absolutely frustrating. Now, that doesn't, look, that doesn't excuse some of the secondary play. And, and Antonio, I think you're spot on. Some of these injuries are going to really highlight some of the issues there. But um, the front seven, man, they got to start getting pressure. And now, guess what? It's on them more. When you have in injuries in the secondary, one of these units
4: has to step up. And we'll see. I'm not very confident. So now let's move on a little bit uh, to some of the ugly things that that we didn't uh, that we didn't like to say, we I don't know if you guys want to talk about the officiating. I point, do. Tim's going to take officiating. <laughs> Disastrous. I, here I'll put on it on both sides of the ball.
2: I'll put it this way. Yeah, first of all, both sides of the ball. I've I've seen from either side. I work with a, a good friend of mine at work is a big Steelers fan, and we both kind of agreed to like. Not even talk about the game because it was one of the worst things we've ever seen. Um, and no, obviously reading Ravens reports and looking at like the Ravens Reddit and things like that, everybody's like, well, the Steelers complaining about a couple bad calls when they were getting all the calls the whole game. No, 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 no. Not true. I will put it this way. For anybody who has listened to this podcast for... Oh, what is it? The last time our good friend Dan Fouts was on the call. (laughs) I don't even remember Fouts being bad because Walt Anderson was so bad. Eleven penalties on both sides. Anytime there was more than six yards gained, it seemed like they just had to... Throw the flag out there just so, just so somebody, just so they, their face could get on TV. It made no sense. Pass interference, I don't understand. Roughing the passer, I don't understand. Michael Pierce barely touches the face mask, they call that. Lamar Jackson still had the ball in his hand and they called roughing the passer <laughs> on the Steelers. It doesn't make any sense. And for these, Walt Anderson is and his crew. They came into the game, and thank you, Ian Eagle, a great stat beforehand, said they had called the most penalties of any crew in the NFL of the 17 crews leading up. Guess what? Get their papers. Get one of the best college referees and his crew to go in, learn the different variations from, from college to the NFL, and put him in for Walt Anderson and that crew. It was an abomination, and it ruined one of the best rivalries in the NFL. That game, first of all, pretty bad regardless. Both teams didn't really show up it dropped it to a level that was almost unwatchable. And I feel bad for any neutral that just wanted to watch a good game of football because the Zebras absolutely ruined it.
3: Yeah, it was it was atrocious. And like you said, Tim, the, the P.I., the roughing the passer, it's all insane. And it's bad across the NFL. I feel like in the moment I was a little less angry about it just because every I feel like every game I watch, it's just like this. But this was rewatching it today. It was a really extreme example of just like so many flags. It it's just, just it's, it's if a defender,
2: if a defender was within inches of a guy, not even touching him, they would throw the flag. Yeah, it didn't make any sense. And by the way, and, and we haven't really touched on it a lot. We've talked about it in some detail. The change to this this pass interference rule, where you can challenge pass interference. Is anybody ever going to do that? Or are we just accepting that if we're only going to challenge it it's, if it's as egregious as what we saw in last year's NFC
4: Championship game? Well, I, I think the coaches have given up on it, frankly. I, I think I think, so just, I think they challenged it a few times at the start of the year. Saw very minimal return on it and said, "This is not. I'm not. I'm going to lose my challenges trying to convince refs the referees to unsee things. They
2: don't want to understand how stupid they are with some of these. Sometimes it's tough.
4: the the one thing I will say though that this was discussed a little bit in the game uh, was why John Harbaugh didn't challenge the Mark Andrews pass interference, and it turns out that he didn't because it was a turnover and that that would have been reviewed oh, by the right, booth anyway. that's part of it. So part I of the pass even... interference would have had to be from the booth oh, as a turnover. Oh, okay. Now, however, that doesn't ex- really excuse anything, because <laughs> you just <laughs> shift the anger from the head coach to the booth now. Sure, and <laughs> that, that was, was pass interference. But then I'll go back to the head coach,
2: who then tried to challenge a fumble that you couldn't see. No, I didn't see it, but the guys yeah. in the the guys upstairs told me guaranteed a fumble, guaranteed a fumble. So I threw that the flag. That was Fire those guys upstairs. I don't
3: know who God. those quote guys Connor upstairs was are. laying on the ground for like three seconds, and the ball came out. Literally, no one thought it. I didn't see the Ravens react like it was a fumble. Like Connor just got up and walked back to the line. The Ravens defense just walked back to the huddle. Everyone, yeah, Wasso got the ball. But that happens sometimes when... <laughs> it happens uh,
4: on every play.
3: Yeah, well, and also when the running back's just like, oh, yeah, I don't have the ball anymore, but also I was down four seconds ago, so I don't have to have the ball anymore. <laughs> it's got, it's it was got,
2: baffling. It, that game has, has me to the point where I'm not somebody who looks up referee assignments for when the Ravens are playing. But I tell you what, if we were doing this podcast and I looked and I saw it was Walt Anderson, I would legitimately... Not watch because he <laughs> ruined those four, four, three, four hours on Sunday for me. Because all he wants to do is put his face on TV. It was yeah. it was a disgrace. I it was just like
4: that uh, multiple times. Gene Steratore came on during challenges <laughs> or during reviews to discuss what he thought, and he gave this very eloquent sensical approach for why he had come up to a certain decision and then Walt Anderson disagreed with him every single time.
2: Yeah, and, and and it's not like it's Mike Carey who infamously got every single one wrong when he was CBS's new rules expert. I I agreed with Starator on both. Now, they both leaned Ravens, but uh, what he was explaining, I was like, that makes sense. I think he's right there. And then Walt Anderson comes out and goes, no, nah, I don't think so, buddy. It's going to go the other
4: way. Uh, one or, more thing. Oh, go ahead, Jace.
3: Well, and with the review, that's, you know, getting New York involved and there seems to be no real rhyme or reason still to like why things get reversed or why when we suddenly do have enough conclusive evidence. So it's officiating the NFL is a disaster. But yesterday was a travesty on a kind of different level in that regard. One thing I think we
4: want to go over in this game before we move on is the Earl Thomas hit that knocked out Mason Rudolph. Uh you know, there's been a lot of back and forth about whether it was a dirty hit, uh, Earl Thomas. I mean, it's, he's obviously going to say he didn't mean to do it, but it's a tough play where the guy's rolling out. I think he got pushed from behind a little bit, and that sort of impacted Earl Thomas's trajectory, but did not look good, uh, obviously. Earl Thomas, what do you guys think? Probably a, um, a fine... Maybe a suspension so somewhere in between those two.
3: Yeah, I think he'll get he'll get fine for sure, without a doubt. Um, I didn't think it was malicious. I th- in fast motion, I thought it was going to be a roughing or at least a late hit, because the way that play unfolded, that was one of those, Antonio, you said they got pressure up the middle. Rudolph rolls to his left um, and. The way the speed at which and I didn't know it was Thomas when I watched it live, but the speed at which that defender was closing and you saw the ball thrown and you're like, well, there's no way he didn't just tackle him. So that's probably going to be a late hit. Um, And of course, lost in all of it is they gave up a 25 yard completion, at least on third and 11. But that's a whole other conversation. But they cut back and it truly looked like Rudolph may have died. It was one of, I think, the scariest things because You know, you see guys get like Josh Allen got knocked out a few weeks ago, and I don't know if it was just he landed on his face or like headfirst. So like you didn't see it, but just like seeing a guy just completely unconscious. Again, I don't think it was malicious, but I think it was certainly reckless on Earl Thomas's part, at least in terms of going late and kind of going high. Still, he did jump, but I don't I still don't think he'll be suspended. He doesn't have a real history of these kind of hits. Um but, you know, maybe the NFL, They're you know, we just saw Avantis Burfecht get a season long suspension. So if they're trying to be like, don't
2: even don't even compare Earl Thomas to Avantis Burfecht, though, don't do but, that. It's being reported. It's being reported. He's not going to be suspended um, is, is the is what they're expecting. They will review it for a fine because he hit a little part of the helmet and, you know, legitimately knocked the guy out. One of the scariest hits I've seen. Yeah. Watching a football game live. Um I think he will get fined, and I think you can just kind of move on from there. Look, I'm not trying to condone what he did, but it's one of those things that I, I I feel for Mason Rudolph, and I'm glad that it seems like he's okay. But it's so incredibly hard to play defense because, like you said, yeah, he probably went a little high, but he got hit. What is Thomas supposed to do in that moment? You know, it, he's not trying to kill the guy, and he's not trying—he's certainly not trying to knock him out. Um, and it just, it's just—it's one of those things about. Playing a contact sport like this, and the game has definitely changed. And I, because of what, the, because of the outcome, I think he should be fined. But I think a suspension would probably be a little far reaching, especially because he wasn't ejected in
3: the game. Right?
2: You yeah, know, well, they, it, they didn't even eject him after the review. So just so just fine him and move on. And you know, if it becomes a repeat thing and it happens again, then maybe you take a look back. At
3: I don't. I don't know if you saw what Dean Blandino said. Apparently. New York has on all flags, they can determine the replay kind of review. People can sort of determine if a play is um, ejectable. And they they felt that Thomas's hit didn't rise to that level. So it was kind of had a a sort of NFL review in the moment, allegedly, according to Dean Blandino. But uh, yeah, Thomas wasn't ejected. He'll almost certainly be fine. But um, yeah, I I would be stunned if he's suspended. But it definitely was a very scary um, hit. For sure. Any more thoughts before we move on? uh, Well, (laughs) I feel like we've avoided talking about this because we we love we love him. But Lamar Jackson did not have a great game yesterday. Um, I'd probably still put this under bad more than ugly because he at the end of the day, he did seem to make the plays. And, you know, Marquise Brown, Mark Andrews both banged up at various points who seem like they're only surefire kind of targets for him but only 161 yards three interceptions the first two of which were 100 percent his fault mostly um certainly the second one was egregious um and that before, the end, of, before the end of the half yeah before right at the end, end of the half yep and those those interceptions pretty much directly when you had a 17-7 lead uh, directly led to six points for the Steelers and kind of got them back into the game. Now, I s- still think he hasn't had a ton of help. I looked. They only got 68 rushing yards from uh, running backs yesterday. Lamar um, paced the way in that regard. Um, so the offensive line definitely has problems. There's still issues of the pass catching, but um you you just, I think, like a little better decision-making. Outside of those picks, I thought he was mostly fine, but it, it definitely could have cost them the game yesterday. Yeah, he
2: regressed a little bit for sure. Um, Mark Andrews has a lingering foot injury. If it gets any worse, I don't know who he looks to for his first option. Um, I mentioned it a little bit earlier before. It seems like he looks for Andrews a lot of the time, and if he doesn't see him, he looks to scramble, which is what we saw last season <clears throat> and what we didn't see at the beginning of this year. Granted, playing against some cupcake opponents, but you good. thought maybe this was the progression. Now, the weapons aren't. Miles Boykin, for all the hype out of preseason, has done absolutely nothing. Hollywood Brown is is good, but
4: still a rookie, still relatively inconsistent. He keeps getting banged up in these games, which yeah. is what we're going to expect on oh, the guy help weighs like 185 pounds. 85 pounds, yeah. <laughs> um, so
2: a little bit concerning, the one caveat, and you can call, call me a homer on this one if you'd like. First game at Heinz Field. First start in Heinz Field in this rivalry, although albeit probably the worst Raven-Steelers game since this became a like big-time <laughs> rivalry. Even with that, that's a tough place to go. They hate the Ravens. They're going to be vitriolic the entire time. And look, how, whichever way you want to slice it, probably a good note to end on here, he came out with a W.
3: Right. So I can't I, complain I, too much, but there were I concerns mean, it, for sure.
4: Yeah, it's tough. At a certain point, Marquise Brown was out of the game. Mark Andrews was banged up, and I don't really know where he's supposed to turn at that point. Willie Snead had a couple of nice catches uh, on on third down and long, or second down and long, a few times there. But hopefully, we'll get both of those two guys uh, healthy, and and I thought see Hayden, if Jackson can revert back. Thought Hayden Hurst was okay too. Thought he yeah, was all right. Made some nice plays. All right, let's move on now to the AFC North, which we don't actually have too, too much to talk about because they keep playing primetime games during <laughs> yeah. our show.
3: Yeah, I know. Browns just kicked off a little while ago here as we
4: record. Uh, so I will say the Browns and I, I hate to sort of give a score in the middle of an episode that people are going to listen to later, but it's the Browns and they're losing. So Browns down 14 nothing early. So go San Francisco. People are going to listen to this and either be like, man, these guys called it or they're (laughs) going to be so disappointed when they get home.
3: There was a time
4: when the Browns
3: were losing by two touchdowns. (laughs) Well, and regardless of what happens tonight for the Browns, I don't know if you guys have looked ahead. And that's why it was so important, I think, for as ugly as it was and as gross as it was for most of the game and how much I hated it. The Ravens did win yesterday and they're back atop the AFC North. Um And the Browns, who are currently in second, play the Seahawks in Cleveland. And then they are at the New England Patriots in the next two weeks or their next two games. I don't know if they have a buy in there, but um, that's 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 quite uh, two games back to back. And uh, (laughs) if they lose three in a row, you know, not to get too ahead of ourselves, you know, the Ravens should beat next week's opponent. (laughs) Um, That could really open some space in the AFC North. So. It was worth keeping an eye on Cleveland the next few weeks for sure. So
4: it'll be incredibly dated, but go Niners. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a Browns team at two and five is going to be tough for them to, to dig out of that hole, no matter how well they play down the stretch. So a question for you guys that I have because we have one AFC North team who we actually has a result from from Sunday, the Steelers, who are now one and four. Uh Mason Rudolph, it's unsure as of yet if he's gonna come back next week. I would assume if even if he doesn't, that he'd miss one game, maybe two, and then he'll be yeah. back. So the Steelers at one and four, are we packing the bags for them for the season? I would see I went back and forth on this. The only reason
2: I would say yes is because the uncertainty of possibly having a third string quarterback. Doc Hodges, who knows? He looked pretty good against our secondary, but
4: who knows from a full sample size. Remember the days where a third-string quarterback coming in, it was basically amazing if they completed a pass? Yeah, absolutely. Much less... Just immediately led your team to two scoring drives consecutively. And was doing it for a third, by the way, until a teammate of his fumbled the ball. That was like a 20-yard completion (laughs) in overtime where they were driving to get a field goal. Absolutely. But uh, anyway, seven teams in the AFC have winning records
2: right now. As a reminder to all of our fans out there, only six make the playoffs. Um, I don't see the Patriots having a losing record after going 5-0, the same with the Chiefs. The Raiders, surprisingly, at 3-2, look okay. They've beaten some quality opponents, including the Indianapolis Colts and the Texans, who are the class of the NFC South. Don't forget Gardner Minshew could do some things with the Jaguars. Uh, no, I'm not letting that one go. He's 2-3. and three. three teams in there. I, I'm, I'm out on the Titans, but three teams in the AFC South that I think are pretty good. The Browns could be an eighth team with a winning record tonight if they can make the comeback. Um you know the chargers are 2 and 3 they're always relatively competitive and are going to start having more Melvin Gordon down the stretch here now that he's rejoined the team and no one circles the wagons like the buffalo bills at 4 and 1 in that division i believe in the next i was i was listening to something in the next like 6 weeks they get the dolphins twice and the redskins they should at <laughs> least be 3 and 3 in the next 6 weeks which would put them at 7 and 4 at the very worst there so I'm not kicking dirt on the Steelers ever, especially because one of those winning teams is the Ravens, and they could completely fall off based on what I've seen. But too many bodies in the way. It, yeah, I think I think purely because there's too many teams in the way, I don't really see them. I see them messing up some teams' playoff hopes, a la maybe the Baltimore Ravens. But I don't. I don't think that they're going to be in the picture themselves.
3: Yeah, I I agree with you, Tim. They're one and four, that's such a hard hole to dig out of. And, you know, the Colts did do it just last year, but that was, um, you know, Andrew Luck was their QB. And no offense to Mason Rudolph or Devlin Hodges, but I like Andrew Luck pulling out of a one and four deficit maybe a little more than either of those guys. And obviously the big concern for them now, too, like they'll definitely be playing hard, not just, you know, to try to keep, Faint playoff hopes alive but they don't have their first round pick they traded it for minka fitzpatrick so um you know the management certainly hopes this team goes around eight and eight at worst um but yeah i don't i don't know It, it it seems to me their defense i think is actually pretty good um, especially that pass rush between T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward, and that defensive front's pretty strong. But I just don't know if they'll have the consistency on offense that they kind of need to get out of the hole they're in. Sure, we'll
4: save the the Bengals conversation for for later on since the Ravens play them next week. So let's, Tim, you started talking about the NFL. Let's go. Let's go into some uh, some touch points on the NFL as a whole. A couple of notes that I have. Uh, Houston, we've been talking about Houston for a lot of different reasons you all season. You love Houston. Uh, Drop 53 points on the uh, hot Atlanta Falcons, and with basically the formula that, that they've needed all season, Watson was sacked zero times. Watson threw five touchdowns. Uh, those two things aren't directly related, but they are certainly similar in terms of I, one helping the other. I, I if I they keep him was, upright, that's a dangerous team.
3: I, I believe this was on Van Pelt's um, Sports Center last night. Um but Deshaun Watson has 3 of the last 10 uh 500-yard passing games in the NFL. That's pretty <laughs> incredible. <laughs> he, he's he's sensational and yeah, like you just said, you keep him upright, he's going to be pretty good. That that we know. Um so it was impressive. Uh on the other side, I guess of the field in that game, the only thing that's notable is the Falcons might be the most disappointing team in the NFL. Um this You look at that roster and you think that's a team That probably legitimately should have Some Super Bowl aspirations Certainly playoff <laughs> hopes But yeah, they're I mean and We'll get to him in a minute uh, Dan Quinn, not the first coach fired But uh, he might be um, In two or three weeks here um, I, I'm surprised
2: that he wasn't out the door With uh, Jay Gruden <laughs> On the Redskins as well, who we'll touch on in a minute Real quickly, just on that um, The fact that Watson didn't get sacked once is more of an indictment on the Falcons, I think, than a positive for the Texans, even with the acquisition of Laramie Tunsell. I don't think that offensive line is that great. He's been hit a lot this season already. But, yeah, they keep him upright. They're scoring points, and – that Falcons team has quit on Dan Quinn. It's time yeah. to move on.
3: Kiki uh, Kiki Kuti, uh, Texans wide receiver, who was not the guy who had over 200 yards and three touchdowns, but he had a fine day. But he described the Falcons defense as, quote, basic yesterday. Um, so <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> things aren't going great in Atlanta.
4: <laughs> Another game I wanted to touch on, and really a player that I wanted to touch on, the Chiefs, finally lose, and really the one reason that they lost is that Patrick Mahomes sort of had a a two a double ankle injury, let's say. He injured it earlier in, at a certain point in the game and then had it stepped on again uh, by his own offensive lineman. He was limping severely in the second half of that game, uh, and it was sort of tough to watch. He was not scrambling at all. He was sort of sitting in the pocket, and as soon as there was pressure, he was trying to throw the ball away, got sacked a lot in the second half. And the Chiefs finally lose, and that brings the question up now Kansas City, their Achilles heel at this point is the offensive, I mean, aside from the defense, who they could not stop Marlon yep. Mack with 12, 13 players in the field. But if that offensive line for the Chiefs does not improve and Mahomes sort of keeps getting banged up, are the Chiefs no longer uh, contenders out of the AFC?
3: I don't think you could say that just because how... Not great. The AFC has looked for the most part. Um, Absolutely. If you, if they're not the contender, there's only one contender in that case, and that would be the New England Patriots. Um, but it definitely was a concern. I think it does speak to how great Patrick Mahomes is, that he... Uh, you know, he definitely struggled and, you know, they this the fewest points a team with him under center has ever put up. They had never, I believe, scored less than 25 points with him as the starter, and they only scored 13 last night. But he still threw for 321 yards and a touchdown, uh, which kind of speaks to just the kind of crazy level is on. that, you know, he can have a 321 yard game. And everyone's like, oh, what a disappointment. He's they're yeah. not the same guy. Um but uh, he definitely, yeah. Watching the, that's why you can't just go off a box score stats because he definitely wasn't the same player, especially in that second half. And in credit the Colts; it was great performance by them for sure, def- defensively, offensively.
2: Yeah, I will say they, the formula to beat the Chiefs, what we talked about when the Ravens played them, was keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands. Their time of possession. Over 37 minutes to just over 22 minutes for the Kansas City Chiefs. Marlon Mack, 132 yards on the ground. I, If I could pick one player out of the NFL right now to put on the Ravens, I think it would be Quentin Nelson, I think, just oh. to put it left guard and just to have it, him with Yonda. And have him for the Marshall next,
3: Yonda? That Marshall yes, <laughs> Yonda?
2: Yes, please, for the next like 10 to 15 years, uh, For at least for Nelson, not for Yonda, obviously. And Brissette is good. Jacoby Brissett, he's calm, he doesn't do anything, you know, I don't want this to sound like a backhanded compliment, but there's nothing he does horribly, you know, he's pretty good at everything, and and every. it was certainly a drop-off with, with uh, Andrew Luck leaving, but I would say I'm eating my words a little bit on Brissett, I think that they are legit, now they've lost to some bad teams, and they gotta get the consistency up a little bit, but I like Frank Reich, I like that coach, Um, Brissett, Marlon Mack is great And yeah, that offensive line When you have an offensive line like that As we talked about in the preseason A lot of things are possible
4: My last note, but I I almost want to bring up A a fun segment we may have to do at some point Is if you could pick one player in the NFL To put on the Ravens, who would it be? Uh, I'd love to bring up the uh, Nelson v. Jalen Ramsey debate And which player would be more important on the Ravens But let's move forward, that's for another week I'll take the road grader every day uh, the last last note I have, uh, and I'm going to sound like a hot take guy, but there was so much talk about Aaron Rodgers and the Packers and how Aaron Rodgers was overrated at, at, during the offseason and that he hasn't actually been that good for the past few years and they haven't gone to the playoffs. They've been – that all that overrated talk in the offseason to me has made them underrated in the regular season now that we're here. They demolished the Cowboys for three-quarters of that game. The score made it seem a lot closer than it was – Packers now 4-1, and 2-0 and on the road. I think they're going to end up coasting to that uh, NFC North division, and that's a terrifying team in, in the playoffs. That's, yeah. that's, a,
2: that's saying a lot, too. Sorry, Jace. That's saying a lot because I think that NFC North is a pretty good division, although the Bears have kind of fallen off, obviously, the Trubisky-Chase Daniel thing. The Vikings just can't. Kirk Cousins just keeps ruining games for them, although they won this weekend. Who knows about the Lions? So, you know what? Maybe it isn't that good. Matt LaFleur, I'm just talking myself out of it in the middle of stream of consciousness. Matt LaFleur and, and Aaron Rodgers, I think, had just had a sit-down in a powwow and said, hey, let's get along with each other um, because I know Rodgers is a little bit off the deep end in terms of he's kind of a weird guy. But <laughs> I, this team is legit. Their defense is legit, which I think is something that is, has that is ab- absolutely helped them. Uh, if Devonte Adams can come back, I don't believe he played this week because I think he was hurt. But they just went into Cowboys Stadium. First of all, he owns Cowboys Stadium. He's five and zero there. At yeah, ATT. never lost, never yeah. lost at AT and T. But went in and made the Cowboys look like fools. And it was that game was over before it even started. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, would, I think I was legit. just going to
3: comment on the defense. Uh, our dear friend Zaydares Smith went there in free agency. Ravens sack leader in twenty eighteen. Uh, where's the C for the Packers Has kind of seemingly taken on a uh, He was all over the place Yesterday getting in people Got in Dak Prescott's face real bad Brought a tear to my eye But yeah, on the offensive side It's great to have Aaron Rodgers back I, I've said before, I don't know If we've ever discussed this But Aaron Rodgers is my favorite Non-Ravens player that in the NFL Pretty much since the day he became a starter He's awesome, he's the best I love Aaron Rodgers But uh, shout out Aaron Jones, who uh, yesterday Packers running back um, the first running back ever to rush for four touchdowns against the Dallas Cowboys, which is notable. Um, So shout out him. Uh, Yeah, I think the Packers might be the best team in the NFC. And uh, maybe we one day get the season, get the Brady versus Rogers Super Bowl. I think a lot of fans have kind of wanted over the years and just we never have gotten. But yeah,
2: it is pretty crazy that we haven't had that one quick note. Ray Lewis came out and said that They don't have any leaders on their defensive front um, The Packers that is First of all, Ray Lewis out injured From Dancing with the Stars I really wanted to do a Dancing with the Stars update (laughs) On the bye week and I got incredibly sad that he pulled out of that because of an injury. Come on, Ray. You played football forever. Did he, he beat he out Sean
3: big. Spicer? Like, that's, I, don't, I haven't been uh, following. Like. Who knows?
2: I, I only, <laughs> they do it on Monday nights when behind the curtain when we record this podcast. So I wanted to do an update during the bye week, but whatever. He said they don't have any leaders. Zedarius so Smith came out and did the Ray Lewis dance after one of his sacks. Kind of a homage and also insult maybe, but whatever. Who cares? I just have a, cu- a couple other quick NFL notes real, real quickly here. Joey Flacks, good for you, buddy. Joey Flacco has a win Joy with the Denver baby. Broncos. Love us some Joey Flacco. So now we have
4: to stop uh, sort of trashing on him quite as much as we did.
2: No, he has really. a victory. Yeah, he has a victory. So no, no more, no more uh, trashing Joe because he doesn't have a win yet. Uh, New Orleans keeps beating teams with Teddy Two Gloves. I think, I think that team is incredibly good. Um, even with Bridgewater at quarterback. I think they're up there with it, the Packers as some well, of the best in the NFC. And
3: this is uh, the best Saints' uh, best defense the Saints have had
2: yeah, that, in that a that front, long time.
3: That, that front line's
2: incredible. Uh, Dre, Jay Gruden has been fired, although oh. Bruce Allen should be the one that's been fired. Dan, Dan Snyder should sell that team. I have so many Redskins fans, and I fan friends, and I just feel so bad for them because uh, nothing's going to change if those two guys are the GM. When your GM, who came out today, or – president of operations or whatever Bruce Allen's title is when he came out and said, the culture is dang good. The culture ain't dang good. It's just not. Um, and no one circles the wagons like the Buffalo bills. Those are my NFL notes uh, <laughs> yeah. for this.
3: week Bill's four. one's incredible. Just a note on Jay Gruden. We all knew he was getting fired kind of before this season, which is kind of a weird thing to fit. Th- no, know. everyone knows that's like, Oh yeah, Jay Gruden's not going to be the coach. Cause then it's kind of just like, well, why didn't you just fire him last year? Kind of thing. If like, we all kind of assumed Jay Gruden. He was like a heavy favorite between him and Dan Quinn to be the first coaches fired in the Las Vegas odds, I believe. Um, 0-5 start. He hasn't had a great record. Again, like you said, Tim, it's kind of hard for any coach to win under Dan Snyder historically. Uh, and he was fired at 5 a.m. this morning, uh, according to The Washington Post. oh wake-up uh, call. <laughs> I was not even asleep yet. Not actually, but when I worked. got an alert that he'd been fired, he didn't even make it till the next morning for me. Um So an incredible tour de force by the Redskins there in that regard.
4: Seemed like a strange and unnecessary decision to fire him at 5 a.m., but that's that's uh that's <laughs> D.C. for you. Good job, Dan. <laughs> All right. So let's move on now to a little segment we like to call What's Bothering Jace. We've oh, done boy. this every week. Uh, we we know that Jace is good for a rant here and there for, for a few minutes on, on what's really grinding his gears that particular week. So we turn again to you this week. Uh, what's bothering,
3: Jace? It's the rough fig the passer issue, Antonio, and <clears throat> it's just gotten insane. And Tim mentioned it, Michael Pierce grazing the face mask, almost like he... Looked like he was like an inch from not even touching him. and got a pass uh, roughing the passer penalty, Um as he also said. And it went both ways. Lamar Jackson tackled with the ball, kind of a perfect, not really diving into the legs, just sort of two arm wrap on a Steelers defender that essentially gifted the Ravens half the yards they needed for their game winning drive. Uh And then we saw in the Thursday night game, Clay Matthews, yet again, uh suffered just another just baffling roughing the passer penalty. And I understand you want to protect the QBs, but at some point, like, if they're still eligible to be tackled, you have to be able to tackle the QBs. And I feel like we've just gone way too far trying to protect these players, and I think it's actively hurting the quality of play on the field. But I don't know how we improve on this I think it's just something we're stuck with
2: here's a hot take that's definitely a joke by the way so don't get mad at me for this without a Nick Foles injury we don't get Gardner Minshew so you know what maybe not the worst thing no I'm kidding but it's 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 absolutely ridiculous I know you want to protect the big stars and the quarterbacks in the league but you gotta let the defensive players play at least a little
4: bit I can't believe I'm giving an excuse to the referees the only thing I'll say is I think it's a it's a lot harder in, at real speed than it is when you see the replays right. of it. I think the speed of the game, when you see the hand go towards a quarterback's head, if their head moves, they're just going to throw the flag. Even if the head is moving to avoid the hand, not because the hand actually hit their head really hard. If right. the ref sees that, they throw the flag, and that's the end of it. It's, it's tough. I did not think that the roughing the passer on Lamar Jackson should have been a penalty at all, and that's in a Steelers game, so yeah. you really have to pull me a certain way to get me to, you know, Disagree with a call that helps the Ravens, but it's tough. It's tough. So that, so that, was, that was what's bothering Jace. Jace, I'm sorry to tell you, I, I don't think that's going anywhere. So you may be bothered by that for, for some yeah, more weeks to come.
3: I, I'm sure it'll come back when uh, you know, Matt Judon makes his first sack in eight weeks. And, oh, God, don't uh, even. Roughing the passer penalty for it. <laughs> so the next segment we do is called Random
4: Ravens. Each week, a different co-host picks one of those just random dudes from way back on the Ravens. He offers a few clues, and the other two co-hosts try to guess who this player is. The listener also, please, play along and try to see if you can guess who this is. We will answer it at the end of the show. Jace is up this week, sort of a little back-to-back segment here for Jace this week. So, Jace, who is... I shouldn't say who is your random Raven.
3: (laughs) Tell us! Tell (laughs) us about your random Raven. So, I got five clues this week. Um, So, this defensive back was drafted in the fifth round of the 2006 draft by the Ravens. He spent five seasons with the Ravens, starting 64 games before leaving following the 2010 season. Clue three. He sits ninth on the Ravens' all-time interceptions list and tied for the team lead with four in 2009. Clue four. His younger brother was selected sixth overall by the Washington Redskins in 2007. Uh, yes. yes. Got it. next yes. season. Yes. And then yes. This is a little... What a random <laughs> <little> rave. <more, laughs> let's go. A <laughs> little more obvious. He was the primary starting strong safety next to Ed Reed during his time in Baltimore. Yeah,
4: I, I'm a little so. proud to say I got this before the brother clue only because of the games played... Without winning the Super Bowl, <laughs> basically <laughs> not without being a starter on that Super Bowl team, and the interceptions he did have, he did have a few interceptions that's, more than that's and we that won't much. give it away yet because
2: if the listeners want some time to think on it while we get to the next part, I'm annoyed that it took me that long because this is one of my favorite guys and purely because of just like how imposing he looked on the field. Oh, it's so good. The, 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 the the drip as the kids call it these days (laughs) out on the field. (laughs) What he was rocking next to Ed Reed at the strong safety position? So yeah. But as soon as you said the brother thing, I was like, got it.
3: Yeah. I I thought that one might not give it away, but uh, yeah, personal favorite. So I can't wait to reveal it later at the show. (laughs)
4: Let's move on now to the preview against the Bengals Cincinnati. They're not good. They're yeah. zero and five. Uh, lost on Sunday to the Arizona Cardinals by three points. They led that game three to nothing, and then never led again. <laughs> and this is a home game against another winless team. The Ravens, I think, in good position to uh, to extend. I'm gonna say extend the lead in the AFC North. I'm gonna now. I'm really just jinxing this Browns game. That's gonna <laughs> end up hurting us, but. Ravens <laughs> in a good position here playing at home against the Bengals as they do step one in my very back-and-forth prediction about winning both games against the Bengals this year.
2: Yeah, I know. You're. you're we should just turn I'm, to I'm, you, I'm on that.
4: It's, a, it's officially on. Okay, officially <laughs> two,
2: on. 2-0 against the Bengals. I, I'm only going to make a couple notes on this game to be completely honest here. Um, A.J. Green terrorizes the Ravens. Confirmed today, as we're recording Monday, that he will not play this week. John Ross, the only other receiving threat for this team, will not play. Marlon Humphrey is going to shut down one guy. It's going to be on everybody else to shut down the rest of the team uh, in the defensive secondary. I think they can do that. Joe Mixon, I would say, scares me. But, again, his offensive line is just not very good. And we can stack the box against them and hopefully... You know They won't be able to really set the pace, and if the offense does their job, we'll be able to get an early lead there, and they won't be able to rely on Mixon as much in the run game. And the only other thing that I really, really have to break down on this game is I am going to this game. The last Ravens game I went to was, what was it? Two seasons ago. Oh, no. Week 17 <laughs> No. at the bank. No. Last game of the season where the Bengals won on a Hail Mary and knocked us out of the playoffs. So I really hope that I am not... Well, I really hope that I'm not jinxing it this time. I should say.
3: You said there's no receiving threats, but the man who caught that pass is going to be their primary target. Uh, Tyler Boyd will probably uh, be heavily targeted. Auden Tate, kind of, a, I believe, a second-year guy that uh, with John Ross out there trying to work in. Um, I anticipate Tyler Eifert being a problem with this game for the Ravens. Uh, He is currently still upright, um, and that's a problem. Uh, Andy Dalton has been sacked 20 times this year. But so it'll be a real challenge, I guess. It's how bad is the Bengals offensive line versus how bad is the Ravens pass rush? Something's got to give. And um, I think that'll be kind of a good test of, I guess, really where the Ravens pass rush stands in terms of if it's even remotely passable. Um, But the Bengals don't do anything well. They're 29th in points scored They're 26th in yards on offense And then on defense, they're 27th in points And 31st in yards against So that's just a bad team all the way around Um, I am still concerned about Andy Dalton He's competent enough that if we don't get any pressure on him He's going to be able to complete passes That being said, Cardinals had over 500 yards on the Bengals And I have to believe the Ravens are significantly better than Cardinals um, so I think, and Kyler Murray in particular had a strong game on the ground I think we're going to have a monster rushing day from Lamar Jackson I think we'll see his passing numbers um, have a lot, uh, a lot better outing through the air um, But yeah, there's some small areas of concern But I would still be surprised, I think, if the Ravens lost, especially at home
4: This game seems like the perfect cure for the Ravens on both sides of the ball Let's have 60 minutes where the offensive identity is running the ball, getting more than three yards a carry, turning for easy first downs, long drives with points at the end of them. Let's see the Ravens hang on to the ball for 37, 38, 39 minutes in this game. Dalton was sacked eight times by the Steelers two weeks ago. Uh, That's the formula that we need. I'm not really going to even look at the Cardinals uh, sack numbers I think they sacked him once, but that's not really their their game. so I'm gonna compare it to another AFC North opponent. if the Ravens can get half of those sacks on Dalton, I think the game is is handled comfortably. Uh, would love to see Lamar Jackson Jace as you sort of touched on it. not not throw three you know for 400 yards and five touchdowns, but let's see the completions to wide receivers uh let's see some a little bit of him running the ball to the outside when he gets to the edge and just a comfortable game let's see the front 7 with these new additions cover players and and you know cover running backs out of the backfield that was something they once again were unable to do against the Steelers there were more than one or two occasions where the running back got out uncovered and and had big gains so this is sort of like the perfect little uh, little remedy for a team that's looking for a comfortable win, uh, and it comes at the right time at home. So, I, I see the Bengals losing to the Cardinals since they lost in Cincinnati by three to a team the Ravens beat at home. Whoa. You just swap that out. That's how the NFL works. You just move Whoa. one team for the other. Yeah, that's definitely how it works. Yeah, yeah. I will <laughs> just
2: say I will just say real quickly: this cannot be a trap game. This cannot be a game where you at oh we just went into Heinz Field. So we should be able to handle this team. It's another AFC North opponent. I don't care that they're 0-5. Like you said, prepare like like this is the Steelers again this week. You get them at home. Show up. These units that haven't showed up, this is the moment where you start this role again. If you really want to prove that you should be on this roster going forward, the front seven, like you said, this is where you step up. You cannot, it, it would be inexcusable to lay an egg in this game. And I'm relatively confident that the Ravens won't, but I've seen the Bengals play them too close too many times, even when the Bengals were bad, and it does look, worry me a bit.
3: I looked this up just to torture myself. Andy Dalton has a winning record against the Ravens. He's not oh, and So, yeah, they can't, he's still there. And he, as I said, I think he is competent enough, but the Bengals are one of the three worst teams in the NFL. It certainly seems like it. Um, and, yeah, if the Ravens, if you do want to win, uh, like, if you want to be a team that wins the AFC North, you win this game at home.
4: Yep. I just don't think Cincinnati has the weapons at this point with those
3: guys. That's those a huge guys point, out. yeah.
4: I would have been scared if one of their two starting receivers was, was in this game. I would have been genuinely concerned. But uh, do you think uh, Tyler Boyd gets the 44 blanket coverage for the whole game, or do you think it's a side... Kind of thing. No, I think
2: it's Tyler Boyd. I think the one guy who who maybe is the threat. You just isolate him. Now that being said, if he if he jumps in the slot a lot, Marlin came out post game and said, you know, I don't usually play in the slot, but because Juju was in there so much, we slotted me inside. I don't think it'll be that intense, but I would I would be pretty surprised if they didn't just put. If they didn't put him on the number one threat to just completely isolate that out.
4: What a luxury. What a luxury to have a guy. That's the one God. thing that has gone well for this team so far. Is It's it's important in 2019 to have a top-notch corner every week in and week out.
2: And spoiler alert, when we get to our bi-week uh, segment of which jersey should we all get, he is way up there for me. Right. Rising. Way up there. Rising
4: the power right yes. now. Yes. <laughs> Uh, all right, guys. Any last uh, any last thoughts on this game before we get to the line? We can sort of segue into the into the, this specific line of the Ravens Bengals game. I think it's way too high. It's crazy it's, to me that it's this high. I think it's been pushed up. Um, it's currently eleven and a half. That's insane. <laughs> I think it opened. So I'm fairly certain it opened at eight and a half, which is the number I think I would have guessed. I would have put it in the seven eight range, and I think it was pushed by the number of people who then bet the Ravens at that number. It's moved all the way up to eleven and a half. and that, that, That's too many points. That's yeah. too many points in, a, in an AFC North game where we've seen this go. I mean, I learned my lesson about the Steelers last week when I picked uh, the Ravens to win by more than three and a half, four points. Really thought I had it there uh, in that first quarter. I, I thought I had uh, just made such a good prediction this was going to be a comfortable game, and then it wasn't because that's the AFC North. Yep. So. Yeah. For me, 11.5 is way too high. I'm picking the Ravens to win, Bengals to cover.
3: Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, because, yeah, 11.5, you know, they could win by 10, and that's still Bengals covering. So, <laughs> like, that just is way too many points. And, yeah, I, I, the Ravens are definitely better than the Bengals, but they haven't looked fantastic for the better part of.
0: Since weeks week one? Now? Yeah. Since
3: week one. <laughs> yeah. the, I think they're a good team. They're not the best team in the NFL. And to be favored by that much over a divisional opponent, kind of no matter how bad they are, and you're, if you're not the Patriots, I think that's just too much.
2: I will simply say, sadly, this is the thing that scares me the most about this game, is that we're favored by too much. <laughs> it's nothing about the Bengals. It's the fact that they're that Vegas... An entity that is not in the stadium, not playing the game, has legitimately no impact. Unless you think there's something real, seedy going on with the NFL, is betting us minus are giving us a line of minus eleven and a half. For that reason, I'm taking Cincinnati plus eleven and a half. I would love to be sitting in the bank on Sunday and having them whoop up on
4: the bungles and them destroying that line. But I just don't think it's going to happen. You know, Tim, I feel like we should mention this. Uh-oh. The that last game that you went to uh, <sighs> against Cincinnati that was on New Year's Eve. Yes, it was. Uh, I was actually hosting a New Year's Eve party at my uh, place in Washington, D.C. at the time. You amazingly traveled from Baltimore to D.C. after that game to come to the party. I think you made it. It was like the perfect time to, to get to the party. But the faces that I saw from this group of fans who had just watched the their playoff hopes get ripped away from them... Yeah. Part of it was due to the temperature. I think it was like negative degrees Oh, that it day was, or
2: something. It was, I took
4: my girlfriend Skylar to her first ever
2: Ravens game, and she will never go again because it was legitimately <laughs> like minus 10 degrees. And I was just like, I'm sorry the entire time. And then, and then, yeah, the Hail Mary, you're sitting out there for four hours tailgating, and then you're going to the game, and you're just, we're in layers and layers and layers. We're freezing. They lose. Then we know we have to make the trip all the way down to D.C. for our lovely host, Antonio. We get in there. The first thing he says is, don't even think about it. It's okay. There's some alcoholic cider over there. I think we finished <laughs> the rest of the warm alcoholic
4: cider and uh, celebrated properly. It was it was warm apple cider that I realized very quickly needed to be hot apple cider. Yes. I, I, I don't know if I ever have felt the the need to take care of human beings so much. <laughs> we we and had when get, I give you shelter
2: after that horrible game. I mean, you get out, so we we had parked at a friend's place and then drove to a lot. So think we're in Baltimore. Get out of the traffic that is, that was like a 4.15 game, too. It wasn't a 1 o'clock.
3: Yeah, it was an afternooner. The, the traffic
2: to get back to where our car was, driving back to, at that point I was living in Silver Spring, then to drive, or to get down, I think it was, I think we Uber, who knows? Who knows at this point. Got down to D.C. where Antonio was living, and we still hadn't thawed out. Like, we still were freezing cold, and uh, yeah, you were a lovely host. We had a great time after that because, uh, yeah, drank the pain away, and it was, a new, year. It yeah, was yeah, a new yeah. year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New year, new start, not going to watch these playoffs. Screw the NFL. That, that I, whole thing. I, I
3: don't even really recall what I did after that game. I think I was at work and just immediately went into a catatonic state, and <laughs> uh, the only thing I think I did was, once I got home after midnight, I just laid in my bed and then i think i watched the big lebowski because i was like something has to cheer me up here yeah that's a good (laughs) idea
4: that's a solid choice
3: let's get to the other picks what else do you guys
4: like outside of the ravens since a game
2: yeah i talked about teddy two gloves and the new orleans saints they're away to jacksonville and for whatever reason they're the jacksonville minus one and a half jacksonville is favored in the new orleans game that's I'd, wild. I'd, playing at home is an unbelievable thing. I guess. I love Gardner Minshew. Big Gardner Minshew fan on this podcast, as you guys know. Um, but I'm taking the Saints and the points. Like, that just doesn't make any sense to me yeah. when they're playing anybody that isn't, you know, the Green Bay Packers. I'm just I'm going to take them every time. And speaking of the Green Bay Packers, minus four and a half at home at Lambeau. In prime time Monday night football against the Detroit Lions, who are 2-1. and one. They have a good—the defense has, has shown up. They've been pretty legit. I think Aaron Rodgers is more legit. I think Matt Patricia is not legit. And because of that, I'm taking Green Bay minus 4.5. The cold of Lambeau at night That's that's going to be my pick against Detroit Lions. Tim, the Lions aren't 2-1 and one. They're 2-1 one and 1 Excuse me, 2-1 <laughs> one and 1 because they tied The Arizona Cardinals. Apologies For that one. Yeah, 2-1 one and 1 uh, I think Green Bay
4: is just way better uh, Than they are. I'm giving you a hard time I love that pick as well. Yeah. Absolutely love it Give me Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay at night At home against a team that I think Has had a good start but is not going to hang Around for the, for the entirety of the season
2: And something we mentioned too, they're de- it's not just Offense. Their defense is legit. They have a running game now. Apparently, you know this team is really coming together. As Jace mentioned before, I think they're one of the best in the NFL. Detroit had a bye week to prepare. I don't. I don't give. I don't give a crap. I really don't care. <laughs> uh, give me Green Bay all day minus four and a half. They're going to win that game big.
3: All right, my first pick. Um, the Seahawks were two point underdogs at the Cleveland Browns. I don't understand that. I understand, I guess, that Seattle does have a habit of winning games by the skin of their teeth, but they still win games. And Russell Wilson might be the MVP favorite after um Mahomes' uh game last night and with him banged up. Uh he's hasn't thrown an interception yet this year. The Seahawks are four and one. I know they're not great away from Seattle. West w- East, West East. West to East. Um but the Cleveland Browns should not be favored to the Seahawks. The Seahawks are a better team, <laughs> and I am uh, just going to roll with them. And uh, then should I just get into my other pick here? Um, the Dallas Cowboys, losers of two straight, are eight and a half point favorites against the New York Jets. Does anyone watch the New York Jets this year? They might be, <laughs> they, 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 they might be this side of Miami and maybe even worse than Miami in some respects, the worst team in the NFL. They, <laughs> Luke Falk and, you know, I don't blame some of these guys. Like Luke Falk didn't make himself the starter of the Jets, but he's not an NFL level QB. You know, Trevor Simeon got hurt. Sam Darnold still, you know, his spleen has been enlarged as he deals with mono. And real quickly on that. By the way, the story came out, Darnold took all the first team reps last week. Yeah,
2: that's- Even though they were like 90% sure he wasn't gonna play, Adam Gase just risked it for the biscuit, basically, and went with Darnold. Oh, that's a weird name, Sam Darnold who got mono. They went with him instead. And then and he was like, cleared. oh, wait, Luke Falk. No, yeah, go out there.
4: Go
3: go and perform. I they mean, had all
4: they needed to see from Luke. Falk.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Were help yeah.
3: So you start Darnold or you practice Darnold all week and then he's still not cleared to play. And, you know, mono strange. I've never had it myself, but my understanding is it can just linger and linger. So who knows when he's really going to be OK and when basically swelling and his spleen has to go down or else he literally could die on the field. Yeah. Um, And I know the Cowboys haven't looked great. They should destroy the Jets. The Jets are so bad. Eagles put up 10 sacks. Eagles had more sacks yesterday than the Jets had points. And it's just the Jets are horrendous. And it's more just it's less faith of the Cowboys. And just I think that line just seems low. I don't know how it's not double digits. So Cowboys minus eight and a half. Uh, Seahawks plus two And then the Bengals to cover the spread Against the Ravens You
4: know, I, I like all you guys' picks this, this week uh, I, I put the Green Bay pick down I really like that one I like the Cowboys pick, uh, Jace So I'll throw one one more out there That just sort of has me intrigued I don't know if I would leap to this I wonder who this is But I'm intrigued <laughs> Because I watched Mahomes play last night And he looked like he was in a lot of pain A lot of discomfort And all of a sudden, he could still throw the ball, but the only thing that happened was he couldn't run. And those ankle injuries are so tough to deal with, and they get re-injured so frequently. They scored 10 points in that game. It was the lowest he had ever scored in his career as a starter. Houston, who just dropped 50-plus points on a bad defense, will go to Kansas City and play another bad defense and they are five and a half point dogs against Kansas City. This game, the, the over/under line for this is 55 points, which means this is going to be a shootout. Uh, if that happens and Mahomes is limited at all with his ankle, I think this is a game that Houston can win at Kansas City, much less cover. So I'm intrigued. I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna watch Mahomes uh, this week, see how he see how he looks, see check out his mobility. Five and a half seems like too many points against a good team,
3: so I'm just I'm just throwing that one it's out. It's a there. bold move, Cotton. Awesome. Well, so we'll
4: see how I feel next week.
3: I know he hasn't had the seasons maybe in the past we're used to, but JJ uh, Watt trying to tackle QB who can't move—that seems promising. <laughs> Fair enough. So before we wrap up
4: here, there is only one more thing to do, and that is to answer the random Raven. I think we I think we both have it. I think we both have it. If, if, if have you want to guess it? I'll guess it if you want to guess yeah, it. Yeah, I'm
2: gonna go uh he didn't take a bunch of steroids like his brother, because he
3: is Dewan Landry. Number twenty-six. Number twenty-six, Dewan Landry. And, uh, Out of Georgia I didn't Tech? know if he was obscure enough, but he's certainly random in some ways. So he's not a probably, you know, on the Ravens defensive Mount Rushmore. But big fan of his. So he was like, really good for a long time for the Ravens. And, That's uh, a very good one.
2: Yeah. He's not like random enough where it's somebody that you know maybe didn't start a lot of games, but still kind of like you remember because we're just huge nerds for this team. But it had like a very significant impact, and I'm I'm sure a lot of Ravens fans who listen to this will go, "Oh yeah,
3: I loved Dewan Landry back yeah, in the was, day." So yeah, that's a he great was the bad. And I was uh, why I first thought of him because you know I, I mean I just. When did we think Random Ravens? I think he was one of the first guys that popped into my head as a guy I could do. But I was just looking at Raven stats over the summer. You know, as football season closes as end, one I, does. Yeah, I have nothing better to do, and this is the things I think about. So, um, I uh, I was taking a look and was stunned to find him in the top ten for Ravens all time interception. So, uh, yeah, a personal favorite and uh, I, my Random Raven of
4: the week. I will uh, I will take over Random. Ravens next week and I promise I will pick a guy who has played more than one season with the team which was (laughs) what I sort of fell into with my first two selections so that's it we're feeling pretty good about this week. felt we're, we feel okay with the victory from last week. I feel
2: better being able to rant with you guys. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. I feel
4: I feel like this therapy. is like my therapy session, sitting here
2: on the couch and screaming into a microphone.
3: <laughs> it still feels good for the Ravens to beat the Steelers. It certainly wasn't always pretty, but yes, talking about it all with you all, I'll put my feelings in context.
2: <laughs> By the way, guys, Pittsburgh's one and four. I don't think we hit that enough. They're one and four
4: great. Love taking that road win in Pittsburgh. Playing Cincinnati next week. Tim, hope you have a great time Thanks for the game. Hope so. Uh, we'll hope to, it's, hope ask it's you. better than last time. We'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll ask you all about it next week. Thanks for listening to us. Uh, please follow us on uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, at a Raven. Send us all your questions or random Raven suggestions. You can even send them to PodLikeARaven at gmail.com. We absolutely love the feedback. Give us suggestions for improvements on the show or if you want me to talk less, feel free to send that along and we'll take it into consideration. We love the feedback. We love that you guys are listening. So, So please let us know what you think about the team and the players on the squad. For Antonio Barbera, alongside Tim Horsey and Jace Evans, another episode of Pod Like a Raven in the books. We will see you next week.